Yes, you're listening to Rumination Law and Gospel Thursday. And guess what? It's the first day of August in the year of our Lord, 2019. And with us on the phone is the Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing very good after a about a 300-mile round trip yesterday to preach. Oh I finished doing the first 60 CDs of the Old Testament. <laughs> and 300 miles? Yep, round trip. I'll tell you, that um, Old Testament, 60 CDs, I've been doing it for now almost three months. And I'm going to be starting mm. with the New Testament pretty soon. But people need to do that because you and I as pastors often will look at a specific passage that may be part of the readings for a Sunday but to listen to the entire book in one reading is really interesting. It, I end up with a number of questions. I often go home and see, did the book really end on that note? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to see what it was saying and such. And it was really kind of interesting, uh, the things I've been uh, discovering and then using them in Bible classes. So if you can get a hold of a CD, I used to have tapes of it. But this particular CD is really good because it has music and every different person has a different voice. You know, uh, the inserts in, in the Sunday bulletins in many of our Lutheran churches, you know, that has yes. the lessons and, and the intro. At the bottom of the page on one side, they've got the Bible readings for the week. Right. If you follow that for one year, you, you read through the Bible uh, in a year's time. Yes. Those aren't the readings that they put out, print out there for the particular Sunday, but you're saying at the bottom of the page, there's bottom a... Bottom of the page, each day, yes. Wow, that's interesting. Well, we promise we're going to continue our conversation from last week because of a few things, and maybe bring people up to date on the television program and what we had said somewhat. Well, we had commented on uh, the, the show The Bachelorette, and uh, this uh, Hannah Brown had been dating over 20-some guys on there and, and willed it down to her top four. And one of them was this Luke P. that, that uh, uh, said that they should not have sex before marriage, and they were supposed to be Christians, and he was made out to be the villain that he he shouldn't say that to her, and he gets kicked off the show. Well, after that, she she goes. She's completed her fantasy dates with with uh, the other gentleman, and comes to the final pick uh, of the guy that she wants, and this Jed Wyatt is the guy that she wants. That engagement lasted about two days. And why is that? Because <laughs> she found out that he had slept with uh, another lady before the show. And uh, it, it, the, the stories are somewhat clear on the TV and, and in the news articles, but evidently they didn't think he was quite over that, that girl yet. And that he kind of went on the show for the music because he was a musician looking to get some notoriety. 
Now, if that isn't irony, she says, yes, I'm sleeping with other men, but I still know that Jesus loves me, as though by saying that, she doesn't think what she's doing is wrong. Then it turns around that this is what a guy is doing to her, and did you notice how quickly she lost her love for him? Oh, it went right out the door, uh, as you please. I mean, she... There was no no second chance, no nothing, you know. Which once more shows us she doesn't have a proper understanding of God's love because there's no sin you can do where God will stop loving you. Right. There was this uh, on Issues Etc. Yes. Todd had interviewed this guy called uh, Terry Mattingly. Yes. And and he brought up that it's our culture that between the ages of 20 and 34, roughly, that uh, they're not getting married, and they kind of get themselves caught in this web, and uh, it becomes about me and my faith and not faith yep. in Jesus. Yeah, that that idea that whatever I feel in my heart and body is what Jesus is telling me, and therefore that trumps what Jesus is saying in the Bible. That's what they're saying. It's a false foundation, isn't it? It's, the foundation is set on me, and the foundation right. is not set in Jesus. Yes, and... Uh, That's why she was angry, saying, you can't judge me. Yes, we can judge people that they are sinning. We just can't judge them to say that they're going to hell, therefore. That's up to God. But an unrepentant sin can really lead to a loss of proper faith and therefore lead to going to heaven. Well, the foundation of faith that that they have is not solid because... Uh, there, there was no forgiveness in, in when, when Jed asked for it. I mean, he was, you're out the door and that's it. Yeah. I listened yesterday, you know, Synod has a program for college students and they were on yesterday. They're on every Wednesday at two thirty, mm-hmm. and it was a great conversation. He was actually interviewing a student that he had met at convention and this student was just a layperson but wow was he wise and he said this that there are three things that lead a person to have a certain point of view in today's society the three things are law culture and your peers and they were talking about how do we prepare students who are going to college not to be drowned under the liberal notions that many colleges are teaching. And I thought that was really good. Law, culture, and peers. Yeah, this, uh, I don't know if you took the time, but when I had him in confirmation, you kind of steered him in the direction towards high school and college. And and try and get them to say this is what you're up against because it, it is such a uh, vast difference. And even the professors at, at these colleges 
are coming out and, and saying that, that Christianity is not something to be followed. Well, one of the ways to counter that, and this was on issues, etc. yesterday, they were talking to a pastor, and what he does is he finds out which of his students are going to college, then he finds out what college, then he phones the pastor, you know, and every college in the United States, uh, we have some LCMS pastor that is somewhat affiliated with them. And you know what he does next? He drives the student to have a visit with the pastor oh. before they go to the college. And then they get a relationship set up there, and hopefully then the student continues to attend. In fact, he said, I think there were like almost 20 individuals he had done this with, and only one of them stopped going to that church that he mm. had introduced them to. Now, that's something I never did. I kept in touch with the students and encouraged them, but uh, except for WashU. Washington University was the nearest big university near us, and it wasn't at all unusual. I would get a call from the parents of a student, and we would end up helping the student get a ride to the church. Somebody from that area would pick her up each Sunday, bring her in, and this happened with a number of students. Have you ever been near a, a university uh, with a parish you were in? Nah, not really that close, but right. one thing, one thing that we did do in, in, uh, when the internet came along is we posted videos of the worship service or a recording of the sermon or recording of the service. And then we, uh, emailed all our college students wherever they were across the states yes where they could they could tune in and they did yes you know, for them it was like being a piece of home and that was another way that that you could retain them well now your members can tune in to kfuo on thursday and listen to you each time <laughs> we did recently pick up some new ones i know yes yeah, it's rarely I go to a congregation where they don't mention KFUO and uh, listening, but that's something. I want to look a little deeper at um, how the conscience is informed by law, culture, and peers. For example, we live in a city where the speed limit in some streets is 30 miles an hour. That says to your conscience you can go up to 30 miles an hour and not get a ticket. Well, also right. in this area, we have laws that permit abortion and gay marriage. And unless a college-age student is not taught properly, they imagine that all the laws of the land are what God allows to happen. And that's mm -hmm. how their conscience is perverted by laws of the land that are contrary to the Word of God. And that's where, you know, as pastors, we, we need to take that time to teach them it's better to obey God than, than man and to, to understand where those differences come in between stepping over 
God's law versus man's law, even though man's law may may permit it. Yeah, that was a good example you gave. Uh, The apostles were told, stop preaching. Well, they ignored that and continued to preach on the basis of we obey God rather than man. Man, yeah. And so when men cause us to sin, then we have to ignore that and fight against that. And that's obviously something Hannah hadn't learned in light of the fact that she thought that because God continued to love her, therefore she could go ahead and do any sin in the Bible and not worry about it. Yes, and well, that goes back to that issues thing that uh, yes. they did that interview. Terry Mattingly brought up the, the, the fact that over the years, because of the way our culture, which you mentioned as as one of the items, has has uh, gotten the young people to believe that uh, there's some some breaks here and there we can we can do some of it just over money, college loans, and unable to find jobs and things like this. Therefore, you know because I I'm unable to make a living or I have to delay getting married. I can make these little breaks, and it it comes to its full fruition in a show like The Bachelor or The Bachelor Bachelorette. In my day, when I was going to go to college, the most influential thing was the television. But mm. watching Ozzy and Harriet, Superman, and the Lone Ranger didn't really give me any ideas, contrary to the Word of God. But today, I would say there are two elements that really go against the word of God. A lot of them is television. I'm just surprised how much swearing goes on on regular television programs. And, of course, sleeping around is always going on. But the other thing, of course, is the Internet. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a blessing, and then yet it's also a curse at the same time with the access that we've got out there. Yes, and that access isn't shrouded for young people at all. They they can go and see all these things also. And I appreciate the internet because it keeps me up on on the news, uh, depending on what source I'm looking at, because some sources just have terrible biases and it becomes very important, so I kind of ignore them. But your culture through the internet and television is really important. When I had confirmation, I would show them some things on television. I started off with advertising. And then after the advertising was over, I would ask him, okay, where do you see the lies that were used? For example, Mm -hmm. do you know that if you use a certain deodorant, you'll end up on a beach playing volleyball with bikini girls? (laughs) I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. If you buy a certain car, it always comes with a blonde. Blonde. Yeah. yeah. And see, I, mean, I was making the point in Russia when I was there teaching at Novosibirsk, the advertising was really honest. They would advertise ban and they would show you how to use it and how it helped any smells. And that's really what 
deodorant is for in contrast to many of the advertisements are selling things that you think you need which has nothing at all to do with the item in the commercial and what happens with with the with a culture like that and that terry Mattingly brought out is they're actually more alone than ever before yes and they seek out peers and that's the third area that really influences young people's their peers many of them have peers they've never seen because they use the internet and are involved i mean we all heard the story of this woman who was involved with someone on the internet and so she decided to go on a date with them and it was at 3 a.m she was driven by a lyft taxi uh to a park he dropped her off, and the next day they found her murdered. Murdered, yeah. I mean, people aren't having proper sense in, in these areas, and that's because, I think you hit it on the head, they have a lack of peers. So what the program was doing was doing really good. If you can get your college student involved in a church and then have the pastor makes sure that other college students are communicating with each other that attend that church that also attend the university, then it's a, a lot better. Particularly, here's one thing they did. I don't know if you ever did this at your church. Uh, it happened a few times at ours. We'd have a WashU student who was attending. They were always alone. And then they would, you know, be driven back. We'd have a drive for them or a ride back. But there were some older members in the congregation that would invite them over to the house for dinner. Mm. Especially during holidays when they couldn't go. And, you know, it's kind of like you and I both had children who were eight years old. Can you imagine if all they had to talk to were eight-year-old people? Yeah makes a, a big difference or campus ministries uh, one of the things that we do in, in our central illinois district is we we try to collect the names of college students in especially in our state where we've got campus ministries and hook them up with the campus pastor and he tries and makes contact with them and invite them to church and then they do potlucks and all kinds of various activities while they're going to school yeah, part of the problem, I don't know about your particular area, is very few headquarters of districts have every name of every person and address in the congregations. So you have to send it to the pastor who may or may not put it in the bulletin. And even if he does, there are people who are not attending that day and they don't hear about it. But I can't imagine a parent who has a college student that wouldn't send that information to you if they heard about it. Right. We always had a few of those, but we had fairly good uh, response. In fact, uh, we even had a reputation of reaching out to those outside of our state or our district that went into colleges within the, within our system. So, you know, it's uh, our district's been one of the proactive ones in terms of campus ministries. Well, you know, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod pretty well has a pastor assigned to every jail. So if anybody ever goes to jail or prison, 
you contact that pastor there who then makes visits and helps them out in communicating with their family or getting things for them or this sort of thing. And that's also true with, uh, you're saying, campus kinds of uh, ministry. Right. Yeah, we we also have prison ministry, not as extensive as we have prisons in, in our uh, district, but uh, we do reach out with uh, several ministries, and it's amazing to hear the stories that uh, the prison uh, chaplains come back with and the uh, road that leads to, to, to Christ, how they come to faith and and share that faith in Christ while they're in prison. So we've got law, culture, and peers. Law can usually be corrected in the minds of children by their parents. Parents should be teaching them the small catechism and helping them to understand that we don't agree with everything that's in the law. Culture occurs in making sure your children are being involved with children who hopefully are members of your congregation or have very conservative ideas. I know we were very fortunate. We had members of our congregation who would have a band. Uh, The mother would allow a band in the basement, and so my kids were involved with that. And so they had real good individuals. And then peers... When a student is going to a college away from home, the parents should make really sure through the pastor that the pastor nearest where the students are going to school are visiting those students and helping them to get involved with peers that are of a conservative, biblical point of view. Right. I know of um, many millennial couples that, uh, as they're raising their children, it's not on the TV set, it's not on the Internet, but they they take time to involve them in uh, activities with their congregation and with their community to make friends with with the kids. Their ideas of making friends is face-to-face action and not over the Internet. Yeah, my day... We had uh, Steve Reardon, who's a pastor here, and his wife, Sharon, became our youth leaders, and they did a tremendous job for years. Uh, They had children also of that age, but they were really able to bring a lot of the children together, and uh, I I still kind of keep in touch with some of those kids who've moved out of state. Uh, They're married now, and hopefully they're doing the same kinds of things that they were taught uh, where I was at a pastor. Right. I And I've had some married couples that uh, over the years that I've married that, that write me or contact me. We sometimes even go out for lunch after church and just check up on how things are going and uh, and how they're active with their life with Jesus. Yes, in fact, this uh, weekend I'm going to be involved in doing a marriage uh, ceremony, and I'm just looking at uh, various texts uh, to use. I've noticed that in my past wedding sermons, none of them will be useful for this one, because every (laughs) wedding is a little different, you know, different Different, people, 
different circumstances and such like that. So you have to scratch out a new sermon each time for that. But that's something that I discovered. I always kind of tape record it because hardly anybody remembers the wedding sermon. Uh, You know the three common phrases that a married couple should know? No. Uh, I love you. I'm sorry. And I told you so. I mean, uh, I forgive you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I told you so. (laughs) Well, then, in my view, there'd be four. Four. (laughs) (laughs) So, boy. Uh, That's something I add to a lot of the wedding sermons I did. (laughs) That's not bad. I I love you. Um, I'm sorry I married you. What was the other one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I told you so. Oh, yeah, I told you so. You'd be sorry. <laughs> well, you and I are really fortunate. We've got some great wives. Right. But the, it goes back to that bachelorette is being able to, when when confronted with sin in your life, is is how do, do we, when we say, I'm sorry, say, I forgive you? Exactly. And she really has no understanding of that. But this is what the culture is teaching our youth. So it's good that uh, maybe pastors have a sermon on this kind of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next Thursday, God willing, we'll be back together on an item that we haven't yet chosen. If anybody's got suggestions, give us a ring through email. I'm Tom Baker and West Rhineness. God bless. On Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.